Brian again, your lunatic friend. We've kind of finished Jesus and music in the 70s because now it's 1980, but I'm going to keep going till the end of the Sweet Comfort Band in 1984. By the end of the 1970s, we had finished three full projects. No, we weren't the new group anymore. In 1979 and 80, we would tour an album that I I didn't like and I wasn't proud of. I don't even think we made tour shirts for this album because the graphic art was awful. We just continued to sell Breaking the Ice Project t-shirts. That tour shirt had a life preserver on the front and I swear I felt like I needed one. In the middle of the life preserver was the letters SCB because that's what people were calling us now, at least most of the time. Back in the 70s there was another hit group called Average White Band who went by AWB. Man, I liked them from the first song, Cut the Cake. And then they had a song called Pick Up the P and that fit us perfectly. We could have made that our theme song. I think it's funny that people would get us confused. You had SCB and you had AWB. And people would often refer to us as SWB. Simply by accident. I'm not sure how they could have got us confused. We weren't nearly as funky as that. By 1980, we needed to find a new resolve to keep moving forward. This is the real test of perseverance. It's when you can stumble. It's like losing in the playoffs. And now you got a new season to start over. But making mistakes the hard way is a good way to find a better resolve. As hard as it was to accept, we had to remember the Mustard Seed Faith album cover that was so good that people bought it before they even heard the music, and we had just done something completely backwards. We did a really great project with a really awful album cover that nobody wanted to buy. First of all, we decided that we needed to make a marketing trademark for our album. We had noted that Chicago never put the band on the cover, they always had a basic album cover with their logo on it, and we realized that that made it look more timeless rather than having a band on the cover with out-of-style clothes and out-of-style hair in a few years. Our first decision was to make album covers that had a consistency running all the way through. So we went back to Kearney Erickson who did the art cover for Breaking the Ice because one thing we knew, our passion for Jesus and music got lost in the presentation even before we started playing. So we named this project before we even started writing songs for it. It was going to be called Hearts of Fire and we asked Kearney Erickson to put us in a battle scene against evil. And right now it's supposed to be the devil but the truth is we were thinking about management and art directors and record companies. Bottom line is we asked Kearney Erickson to do a cover that depicted us fighting against evil. Kearney would paint four guys coming over the hill in armor to fight a giant snake. I remember my mom hated it, but we wrote most of the songs before we ever saw the cover. One song that I'd already written on tour was called The Road. It was a sad state of affairs complaining about being on the road all the time. The hook line was, the road is so demanding, Lord. But it goes by pretty fast, and I'll never forget Randy saying, what is a road of soda? And I said, it's something we've been drinking for the last two years. But the first song I wrote with this next record in mind was called Now or Never. And yeah, I'm aware that Elvis Presley made that popular. It's now or never. Clearly, he wasn't as desperate as I was. And I would write a song with Randy Thomas that would transcend this record. We would be playing it even after the band broke up. It was simply called Contender. And I started the lyrics talking about being in a boxing ring, getting the crap kicked out of you. The opening lines were, I'm defending my crown in the 15th round and this loser wants to take me down. Randy would bring a hard driving guitar to it and Rick and Kevin would add a gallop like we were headed for the finish line and the hook was I'm not quitting, I won't give up. And man, you could feel that all the way to the back of the room. We had found a different kind of passion when we finally kicked out all the visitors and the naysayer and the people who just came to stand around. I'll just tell you, a band doesn't stay together for 11 years if they aren't coming together to fight a common enemy. You should know that our band was aimed at the world we saw around us and we weren't listening to other Jesus music bands. We were aimed at people that didn't know Jesus at all. We were taking our cues from the regular Top 40 radio. And I remember the first time we heard Rosanna by Toto. We became diehard fans of that band. And I was trying to
trying to copy them when I wrote the song Isabel. Randy and I both wrote songs about girls because everybody was using girls' names in the hook. It was pretty cool because then you could tell any story about any relationship that you had had and just blame it on them. My song was about my wife Jody, but her name didn't fit in the song, and I picked Isabel because it fit, and it tied into Isabel is a new believer. Randy wrote another song with a girl name title. The song was called Valerie. Reminded me a little of another girl name song that we had heard on the radio from Jefferson Starship, simply called Jane. Jane, you know it's all over. And Valerie might have been the best song I ever heard Randy write. Valerie, you always told me. In fact, I like that one so much that I kept it in my set when I went solo years later. Another song that I did that sounded like Toto was called You Can Make It. We played that song a lot. I was copying the eight-note pounding keyboard line the way they did Hold the Line. Kansas had a song out called Carry On My Wayward Son. The writer for Kansas, Carrie Livgren, had already done Dust in the Wind. He was starting to sound more like a Christian every day. And Bob Dylan had a record out called Slow Train and a song called Serve Somebody. And in the summer of 1979, Donna Summer had even made a profession of faith. And man, we felt like we had our finger on the pulse of what was happening in the world. But a new thing was happening in Jesus' music. We started to notice when we were out on the road that Christian radio stations were looking for a genre to call their own rather than sound like what other people were doing. It was a subtle change at first. I started to notice that every Christian rock band had a worship song on their project and that's the song that the radio station would play. And I started to get the distinct feeling that Jesus' music had started preaching to the choir. Jesus' music had now become contemporary Christian music or CCM and I hated it. I thought to myself, great, let's put a warning label on our music so only believers will listen to it. It was the beginning of a new direction called Following the Money. We didn't know it, but in the coming years, outward-focused, evangelistic-style music would be choked out by corporate worship. Man, if I could, I'd leave a moment of silence right here because that's how sad I feel. Looking back now, I realize that this is when I began to feel a sense of abandonment. We were on the front lines and I felt like no one was backing us up anymore. I would go on trusting God and I have sung my songs into my 70s and I believe that people have come to know faith because of my introspective songwriting. But I've also come to understand that just like the way Jesus heals people, it's never in the same way. And almost 40 years later, I would write a song Sometimes we all come to find we can't stay where we've been. I still follow Jesus because he's still here. Even nutshell sermons is a new thing God has given me to do, and I don't mind it. Sign the comments if you would under this post. I'd love to hear your thoughts.